Welcome to the Aspen Chapel podcast with Nicholas and Heather Vesey. Now, I know that uh, Khalil Gilbran wrote this um, for parents uh, looking after their children. But I also think that it's apt for us all as we attempt to make our contribution and try to make this world a better place. In a way, we're all mothers of the next generation, in that we're here to try and support and to encourage that next generation. We do our bit, and in doing that, we are looking to the future and the way that we're going to leave the world. And the humility that Gibran speaks of here is as important in bringing up the world as it is in bringing up our children. Because the future is not for us. It is for the next generation. And you could say that your future is not your future. It is life's longing for itself. It comes through you, but not from you. Although it's with you, it doesn't belong to you. You may give the world your love, but not your thoughts, for it has its own thoughts. You may house the next generation's bodies, but not their souls, for their souls dwell in the house of tomorrow, which you cannot visit, not even in your dreams. You may strive to be like them, but seek not to make them like you, for life goes not backwards, nor tarries with yesterday." You are the bows from which your future as a living arrow is sent forth. The archer sees the mark upon the path of the infinite and he bends you with his might that his arrows may go swift and far. Let your bending in the archer's hands be for gladness. For even as he loves the arrow that flies, so he loves also the bow that is stable. We all try to have our impact on the world, but we must also have the humility to allow the world to develop through the next generation that comes after us and try not to be too prescriptive with our wisdom. For the care that goes into bringing up children is the same care that must go into looking after the world and our planet. We don't sell our children into slavery to make money, nor should we unquestionably take advantage of our planet in order to make the most for ourselves. We need to care for and look after all that we've inherited. And we have inherited much, our civilization, our earth, our structures, the safety of being alive in this moment, this privilege many of us have of living in this valley. And we have to ask ourselves, what is it that I can do to care for what I have inherited and pass it on to the next generation? Most of us would do anything for our family. That urge to mother, to look after, to care for, is bred into us. And it's there because we see our family as ourselves. We are one with them, and therefore, we love them as ourselves. It's not until we see community, our environment, our planet, 
in the same way that we'll be able to truly love all. Which is why I think spirituality is so important. Because it enables us to see the true reality of our relationship with all that's around us. That we are all of a one. That ground of being, our environment, and all that exists are just as much of a one with us as our family is. And therefore, there is a latent imperative for us to love on a much wider level in the same way that we love our families. And that's not going to come from persuasion. That love won't come from persuasion or bribery. You cannot bribe people or persuade them to extend their love beyond their own immediate family or tribe. You can't make people love. You can set up rigorous laws and make it worth their while through tax concerns, but they're only ever still looking after their own ends. The love that we have as mothers and fathers is one of giving with no expectation of return, and you can't legislate or tax to make that happen. Now, the only way that you'll enable people to love in this much more expansive way is through spiritual education. Literally, educare, that's where the word comes from. E-ducare, ducare, draw, e, out, to draw out. You have to draw out the knowledge that is deep within us all that we are all one with the universe. And therefore, that familial love that we give to our children and our tribes is also due to all that exists in the world, people, animals, the environment, and the planet. And the only way that we will really get that is by having a spiritual experience, a realisation that this is the truth. You can't explain people into being in love. You can't bribe them into being in love. They fall in love through their experience with another person. People love their children through their experience of their connection with them. And in the same way, the role of spirituality in the world is to get people to fall in love with life, to come to an experience or an understanding that everything is intimately linked and dependent on everything else. That each of us is intimately connected to everything and everyone. And therefore, what we do and how we behave matters. That's why spiritual education is so important. It's not about believing in some God or other. It's about seeing deeply into the nature of reality in such a way that we fall in love with all that is. And bringing that about, bringing that education about, is not an easy task. But it's what we do here, not only in this chapel, which has as its mission committed to, and here's a quote, reminding people that there is foremost a spiritual dimension of our existence. That's in our DNA here at the chapel. But, you know, that is also why we were born. We're here 
each of us to advance that spiritual understanding across the world so that there is a necessary shift in consciousness for more and more people to realize that, as Jesus put it, I and the Father are one. I am in my Father, you are in me, and I am in you. In other words, there is a oneness in life. That knowledge of oneness is the only thing that will create the necessary momentum and energy in the world to pull us out of this steep dive to the bottom that humanity seems to be stuck in. And it will get us back onto an even keel where humanity and the planet are in balance again. You have to have, you know, you can have as many facts and figures about this as you like, but love is the only energy that will truly solve these problems. And we have to be a part of having the world fall in love with itself again. You know, I'm English and, you know, Brexit is something that affected me quite a lot. And the slogan in Brexit was take back control, implying that at some point in the past, the UK population was in charge or in control of something worth having. So our slogan here has to be about falling back in love with life. Everyone is born in love with life. Just look at children, look at a baby. And we lose that love as the years take their toll. We have to reawaken that love in people by reawakening their spiritual kinship with all that's around them. It says in the wisdom of Solomon, for God created man to be immortal and made him in the image of his own eternity. The righteous, because they were made in the image of God, can rest in the full hope of eternal life. We have to exist as a part of that oneness with the whole universe, that kinship with divinity and the universe. We have to wake ourselves up to the realization that we are all the universe made conscious of itself. And that will awaken the love for everything that is latent within us. But as Gibran says, it has to be love. You may give the world your love, but not your thoughts. And there is a humility in that. Ours is not to tell our children or the next generation what to do. As with parents and their children, our role is just to love so that our children feel loved and the next generation feel loved and act out of the love that we have given them and have thoughts and actions of their own based on that love. Just as there's something so natural about motherhood today, you know, with Scott and Kelly bringing Aloysius to be blessed and having an intention to set for his spiritual life as part of his development, so our role is to bless the earth and those who share it with us and affirm our understanding of the importance of spirituality in the development of the world and in the evolution of consciousness. And look at those promises. I'm coming to an end, so don't panic. Look at those promises that the godparents made on behalf of Aloysius. In being baptised, Aloysius takes on the mission to bring the light of wisdom to the world. Speaking on behalf of Aloysius, do you choose that task? 
I so choose, they say. Are you willing to devote your life to the services of the will and purposes of God? I am so willing. Will you join us as we seek to make our contribution to the world? It is all about getting to that love and sharing it. The promises are not just about him having a better life or about his family or his immediate community. It is far bigger than that. It is about bringing the light of wisdom to the world, to devote his life to the will and purposes of God and helping us to make our contribution to the world. In baptizing Aloysius, Scott and Kelly are committing him to being a part of the great work of spirituality that we're all involved with, the birthing of a new consciousness of love. And it's out of that, and only that, will come the understanding needed to heal our planet and to stop humanity tearing itself and the planet apart. You are the bows from which your future as living arrows are sent forth. The archer sees the mark upon the path of the infinite and he bends you with all his might that his arrows may go swift and far. Let your bending in the archer's hand be for gladness. For even as he loves the arrow that flies, so he loves also the bow that is stable. Beautiful. Thank you. I'm just going to invite uh, Scott and Kelly to come and join us uh, over here, uh, just part of our conversation. Um, That's great. So, I mean, I can remember that time when you went from one children to two children. And how old is Aloysius now? Um, he is 23 months. 23 months. Very active. Yes. Very active. How, I mean, have you, how have you negotiated that transformation? Because you've got homeschooling, you know, commissioning, jobs, all that. I mean, you know, very busy, isn't it, for you? Yeah, yeah. He's getting busier, too. So. Yeah. Um, you know, I think it's it's been a tough year, but we he's a lovely child. Our children love each other very much. They play well together. Um, and, you know, I, I look at him and Bridget a little just differently in their upbringing. You know, Bridget was able to, we host a lot of dinner parties. And yeah. We haven't done that in the last year. We yes. traveled with Bridget. We haven't done that with Aloysius. So there's just a little exposure differences, I think, that... Um, you know, come out and sometimes in his shyness, I think when he's around new people now or, um, you know, his bit of willfulness because he just sort of has free range of the house all the time anyway. So it's, you know, he'll get used to it more. But um, yeah, I mean, we love having two kids. It's really, I remember when we brought him home, it felt good to be four. And Scott, what for you is the importance of, uh, if we just move the mic for a little bit for Scott, what is the importance of baptism? Why, you know, you bring your, it's so nice to have all your family here and things like that. And, uh... um, you know, since we've been coming to the chapel, um, you know, we feel like we're at home here. Um, I was baptized, grow up with, you know, my parents took us to church and something that we wanted to have as a part of our life, um, just to bring some different meaning than, than not having it. Yes. Um, so it was something that we wanted to do, and we, you know, obviously we had to wait uh, for that to happen, but we're glad that we could do it today, um, and hopefully we'll start coming some more. Um, but, you know, just something to, to round out more of the understanding of life. Yes. 
yeah. And, you know, when we think of it, I mean, as I said before, this is a you know, perfect prop for me, you know, baptism on Mother's Day. But it also does get us to think about that next generation. You know, as we look out into our world and we see the planet the way it is, we see the divisions, we see politics the way it is, you know, it, it does put the imperative on us. I don't know how you, when you look at your children, I know with my children slightly older, but I, I look out at them and I think, gosh, I want the world to be a better place for our children. How does that resonate for you? Yeah, um, you know, I, I, I'm a pretty hopeful person. I sort of like look to my personal heroes, like Jane Goodall and E.O. Wilson, who are just these eternal optimists, right? Yes. Despite the challenges that, that they work on every day. And, you know, so I, I try to be inspired by that. I think, um, I look in my lifetime, I think we've come a long way. You know, I think the, the world is cleaner than it was, you know, back in the late 70s and the you know, we're more connected. I think, um, you know, just the language of diversity and inclusion and kindness is, is much more apparent now. And that, you know, is part of my children's teaching at school. It's part of our dialogue at home, you know. And, um, you know, so I'm hopeful for them. I really am. I'm, I'm hopeful that the, the big problems are in front of us and we've made progression in decades and we'll continue to make more. Um, you know, I think it's been a really hard year for kids in a lot of ways. Mine yeah. are young enough that they, you know, they missed their friends a lot. You know, they miss, even when we have play dates, they miss going inside to their friends' rooms and playing with their toys. They missed school. But when they went back, I think they also, like Bridget at least, very much appreciated it. You know, like there was a, there was a clear recognition that things were different and, um, you know, she was, I think, just more joyful, and, and we've tried to have a practice of gratitude in our house, um, especially after this last year, you know, but I know that's not true for all the families. Some people are really still suffering. I worry about all the women, all the moms who, who left work, who stepped back, you know, those will, those will have consequences that will be hard to overcome. Yeah. I mean, I love your optimism about that. And I think it's absolutely true that we are more engaged. I mean, my children, you know, Samuel and Jessica, are much more engaged with social issues than I in my, you know, when I was their age, I wasn't the least bit involved in that. Don't you, don't you find that there's a much greater involvement of that younger generation? Yeah, yeah, there was, and uh, there is. And um, I also just wanted to bring out one thing you said in your talk about that, that word, Kari, yeah. being about drawing out and... What gives me so much optimism is just the knowledge that within each person, within inside, you know, in a baby and a little kid, is this innate wisdom that this that we're made. Our essence is love, and like I just look at like our kids and like all kids really, and learn. They're like my biggest teachers. That seeing the wisdom in them and and trusting that wisdom in them, um, that that to me is the most hopeful thing. There's that lovely phrase that that woman that won the Oscar for Best Director, she said, in all the people that she'd met, she always found goodness in everybody. And I think that's just such a lovely thought. And I think that is what will bring us through, that, that goodness that is at the heart of us all, if we can but discover it. Anything finally, Scott, do you want to say? Um, I didn't really put together much for this, but <laughs> we would have a, you know, a discourse or whatever. But, you know, the... I don't necessarily have the same hopefulness that my wife does, but she helps me along with that. 
Um, and, you know, given what we've been through over the last year, you know, we're just trying to do our best and keep our kids happy. And I think we're going to, you know, push through and persevere. And, um, you know, as you can see, our children are got smiles on their faces and we're doing the best we can. Well, I'd like to thank you both. You've given us something hopeful, which is to bring your children here to be blessed. And that is a wonderful thing for us. I'm so grateful uh, for you doing that. Uh, just a round of applause for Scott and Kelly. Absolutely fantastic. And, and really, uh, you know, they've chosen all the, all the best music there. We have our final song uh, Scott's going to sing, which is called The Gift of Love. Thanks for listening. If you feel moved to make a donation to the chapel, please go to aspenchapel.org. Thank you. And if you'd like to receive these podcasts regularly, subscribe to the Aspen Chapel through Apple, Google Play, YouTube, or any other outlet.